On the central coast of Oregon, there stands a giant spruce tree. It's called the heritage tree. Apparently, this tree stands almost 200 feet tall, and it's 40 feet in diameter. And at five to 600 years old, its age goes back to the days of Luther and the beginning of the Reformation. At the base of the tree, and I think you can see it in the picture, at the base of the tree is a tunnel about three feet in diameter. The hollow space apparently runs all the way through it, all the way through the trunk of the tree. It makes it look like the tree is standing on some sort of a tripod. Are there any Oregonians in the room that have seen this tree? Have you seen the tree? No? Okay. Okay. Something new this morning. So the tunnel through the, the roots of the tree was formed by what's called, now this is all news to me, so learn with me. The tunnel through the roots of the tree was formed by what's called a nurse log. And this giant Sitka spruce begins its life on the nurse log, begins as a seedling on that log. Nurse logs were once great giant trees themselves. And as they ran the course of their long lives, the giant trees would fall to the ground and they would become, as a log laying on the ground, an ecosystem unto themselves. And so with the tree lying on the ground, there'd be new access for light and for the rain to come through the canopy of the rainforest. And as the logs would decay in the, in the heavy moisture of the forest, new seedlings from the giant trees would take root. And as they grew larger, their roots surround the girth of the nurse log and the tree will shoot up to take its place in the forest. And soon a new giant tree is taking its place on the forest floor, watching over a large, long expanse of history, like the heritage tree. And so that's how the heritage tree gets its beginning. It's the life of one that's poured into another. It's a proud legacy that's given to the next generation. So as, if we looked at the, as we've looked at the, what it means to have lived a transformed life, we've seen several aspects of what it means to follow Christ. And I'm afraid that there are indeed more areas that we could explore to this series. But for today, as we close our series on this topic, I don't know if this is good news or not, but we begin Advent in two weeks. I don't know if you knew that. It's the calendar for you, for me, is flipping by really fast. We start Advent in two weeks. So we're closing this series out. And today what I'd like to do as we, as we come to that conclusion is, is to listen in a conversation between the Apostle Paul and young Timothy, his, his understudy. He gives a lot of encouragements to Timothy and a lot of challenges to Timothy in both 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Timothy's a young leader. Paul is pouring himself into this young leader's life. He gives a lot of admonitions, a lot of, lot of encouragements to Timothy. But in chapter 2, Paul tells him to take this treasure of the gospel and to give it away. And I would say to leave a legacy of the gospel. It's the command to pass the gospel on to the next generation. So let's, let's look at it. If you would, would you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2? Chapter 2, verse 1. You then... My child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 
So to understand the truth of this passage, the depth of this passage, it's important that we understand the context of chapter 2. The context of this, this chapter, this, this truth being given away, the context is an enduring relationship. The passage starts with, you then. And so when it starts like that, we have to go back and look at what is, is, is leading up to this. Acts chapter 16 is the setting for the beginning of their relationship, Paul and this young man, Timothy. I won't take the time to read it this morning, but in Acts chapter 16, 1 to 3 is when Paul finds Timothy as he's traveling on his second missionary journey. Timothy, it turns out, is a young man that already has a reputation of being a godly young man. His family, the elders of the church, everyone speaks well of him. Paul takes notice of that. So we have to understand something about Paul. Paul always had an entourage with him. Not always, but most of the time. Always had an entourage with him. He loved to gather people around him. He collected people. He collected what we would call disciples. People that were passionate about the gospel, passionate about seeing Jesus Christ preached and proclaimed. People that were faithful in their, in their own calling, in their own ministry. Paul rarely went anywhere alone. He was always looking to invest his faith in the, and, and his ministry in the lives of others. And so when he met Timothy in Acts chapter 16, the first thoughts that came to his mind, I'm sure, were, I need him to join me in ministry. I need that young man to come along with me as I go and travel and visit the churches we planted and plant new churches along the way. And so the invite was given. Timothy would come along on Paul's second missionary journey. And unfortunately, we won't get into this, but unfortunately for Timothy, his passport to missions also included a small surgical procedure. Paul and Timothy were committed to the work, and Paul needed to take some steps to minister to the Jews. You see, Timothy and Paul were both committed to the work and to the calling and they were committed to this mentoring relationship that they had just entered into. Paul took Timothy everywhere. He invested his life, invested his ministry, and invested the gospel in him. Paul protected him from suffering. He included him in on the teaching that he was doing, both in small groups and large groups, large audiences. He was with Paul when Paul taught the gospel. And Paul allowed him to participate in everything that he was doing. You see, the gospel, discipleship means relationship. And discipleship means taking time. Discipleship means time. It means relationship. Discipleship means vulnerability and, and transparency. It means letting, else, letting someone else walk with you on this journey of faith. Let somebody else into your life so they can see how you follow Jesus. The worship team read this morning from Philippians chapter 4, and Paul said, follow my example. And I always think, wow, what a statement to make. Follow my example. But he lived that example out in relationship with Timothy all that time. Discipleship means relationship. Discipleship also means your testimony. He says in, in verse 2, and what you have heard from me, there's a lot in those words, what you have heard from me. See, discipleship is testimony. 
if we're going to pass on the stewardship of grace that Paul talks about, that, that we mentioned earlier as we talked about grace, if we're going to pass on that stewardship to others, it has to be something that's been worked through in our own lives. We need to wrestle ourselves with the truths of the gospel. We need to let other people in on that wrestling. We need to understand the gospel for our own lives. We need to understand the implications of the gospel in our own lives. We need to understand what it means to lay our whole lives at the feet of Jesus. We need to understand what it means to, to give up, to, to surrender, to yield to Jesus Christ, and to follow after his leading. We need to understand all the implications of the gospel in our life. In short, passing on the gospel to others means that we first have to live out the transformed life ourselves. In his letters, Paul often referred to his own life as evidence of the grace and power of God. Look at verses 8. Start at verse 8 in chapter 1. Paul says this to Timothy, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Don't be ashamed of me, or the gospel. Why is he saying that? It could be, we don't really understand the fullness of this, but looking at the context of it, it could be that Timothy is shying away from the difficulties that come from living out the gospel. I'm wondering if, if Timothy wasn't a little bit timid and Paul was pushing him on, pushing him forward. Paul had left him in Ephesus to pastor the, the church there in Ephesus and if you, if you look earlier in, the, in these letters, you see that Timothy was charged with straightening out a mess in Ephesus. And for a young man to step into that, there were false teachers there, and Paul said, I want you to go straighten out the false teachers, and I want you to put a stop to it, and I want you to go and preach the gospel, which is part of his commands, preach the gospel in season and out of season. Timothy had to go step in, and he had to face, you know, when somebody's a false teacher and they've got a foothold in a church or someplace, and they've got, some, they've got an audience listening, they get, they get to be bullies. They get to be my way or the highway. And Paul said, I want you to go in there and straighten those guys out. And as I would say, you go in there and fix that and let me know how it goes. And Paul left him there to fix all of that. And I wonder if, if Timothy wasn't just pulling back a little bit. There's, there's speculation that Timothy was unsure about the suffering that Paul was going through. He didn't know if he wanted to participate in that at all. He may not have wanted to be identified with Paul. So Paul said, do not be ashamed of the gospel and don't be ashamed of me. You see, discipleship is testimony. Indeed, he challenges Timothy to join in the suffering as we've read in chapter 1. Paul is calling Timothy to follow him in the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. Look at verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 
You see, his testimony was a life well lived. His testimony was, was there for everyone to see, for everyone to participate. There was nothing hidden in Paul. He was transparent. And he's calling him, follow in the pattern of my life. Follow in the pattern of the sound words. Follow my life. Follow my message. Follow the word of God that's been entrusted to you. You see, discipleship means living out your faith. It means living out your life. It means living your testimony before others and calling them to follow in it. What a huge command for us this morning, for others to follow our example. The third idea is that discipleship is the word. Same, same place we're taking this from. What you have heard from me, what you have heard from me. We've already read uh, verse 13. Turn over with me to chapter 3. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted, acquainted with the sacred writings which are able in, to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, at the heart of discipleship, the heart of following Christ, at the heart of giving away, uh, giving into other people's lives is knowing Jesus and his word. The gospel message is the single message of a disciple of Jesus Christ. For the Apostle Paul, the challenge to Timothy was to know God's word and to be able to pass it on to others. And I've, there's a whole bunch of verses in First and Second Timothy that draw attention to that. I, I don't have time to read that this morning. But read through First and Second Timothy and see the challenges. Know God's word. Preach it. Give it away. I put a lot of emphasis on us living life together. I think walking in faith means walking in faith together. It means experiencing Christ in community. I think it means experiencing God. It means experiencing Christ and the power of power of Christ, power of the gospel, together. I put a lot of emphasis on that. But listen to this. If that community, if that walking together isn't woven together, if it isn't founded on the word of God, then it's, then it's just us gathering together to give good advice to each other. The word of God has to be at the very foundation of all that we do. You see, what we're giving away is not simply our testimony or time spent together. What we are giving away is the very word of God. For Timothy, he sat under the teaching of Paul, and Paul says that you were charged in the presence of many witnesses. It speaks of Paul's public ministry and his public testimony and the audiences that he spoke to. And like Jesus, the context that he was teaching and probably included large audiences, included friendly audiences, included hostile audiences, it likely included many days, evenings spent in small group discussion, maybe just he and Timothy, where Paul would ex expand on the gospel for his entourage. And maybe he would sit down at the end of the day and he'd say, well, did you hear what I said? Did you hear what they said back to us? Did you hear did you, when the crowd got up and they got angry and they got upset and, and they ran us off as, as so often happened? Do you, do you know what was happening with the gospel in the middle of all that? Let me tell you what God was doing. How much time was spent by themselves, just examining what God is doing, what God is saying, and what the Word of God has to say to their lives. Timothy also had other voices in his life. 
And I love this about Timothy. In chapter 1, we read that, that his, his mother and his grandmother, your, in verse 5, your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois, they were women of God. We know that his, his mother was Jewish and that his father was Greek, and so we don't know much about his father. I'm guessing because he's not mentioned, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. But mom and grandma were faithful, faithful women of God. How would you like your name recorded in Holy Scriptures with that, with that title? Faithful. You see, they poured Scripture into Timothy's young mind all of his life. In chapter 3, we just read it. Paul reminds Timothy that he had good mentors. He had good role models around him in his, in his mother, his grandmother, and I'm going to say the people of the church as well. And he learned the secret write, sacred writings in that context. Timothy, don't forget it. And don't you wander one inch from it. Discipleship means keeping God's word central. It means investing it in the life of someone else. And finally, discipleship is a baton. He goes on to say in verse 2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. As we've seen so often in this series, we are not given this treasure of salvation, this treasure of the gospel, this treasure of Jesus, only to keep it for ourselves. We're to give it away. We're to pass it on. And consistent with that, Paul tells Timothy to find faithful people to invest in, people that will teach others. And to entrust simply means hand it over, give it away. When Paul, when Paul met Timothy, he saw someone who already had a reputation of taking hold of the gospel. When Jesus called his disciples, he saw those who were serious about faith, saw those who were seeking truth, those who were seeking the Messiah. That's what he saw. So the obvious question for me then as I look at that passage, we're to give it away, we're to mentor, to, to disciple, and to excuse me, invest in the lives of other people. How do we do that? How do we know for certain that someone is going to grab a hold of it and run with it? I have an answer for you. The answer is we don't know. You see, this doesn't come with any guarantees. Brothers and sisters, ours, our calling is only to be faithful to the gospel, faithful to seek out those who we can invest our lives and our faith in. We can't control the outcome. In fact, the letter of 2 Timothy, the letter he's writing to Timothy, is, is a recounting of some who had betrayed or abandoned him. He names two of them in chapter 1. I'm not even going to attempt their names. But he names two of them that were disappointments, two of them that had walked away from the faith, who had betrayed Paul, those who had, they had not served well. Chapter 4 is, chapter four is an amazing passage in Scripture. Paul says, come to me before winter. It's one of the only times in all of, all of the New Testament where the Apostle Paul lets down his guard and he lets you see that he's lonely. He's sitting in prison. He knows that his days are short. He knows that soon they're going to come for him and it'll be his last hour and his last breath on this earth. He says, come to me before winter. 
And then he goes through this list of names in chapter 4. And, and you know, so-and-so has deserted me, and so-and-so has abandoned me, and so-and-so has betrayed me. You see, he poured his life into lots and lots of people, and some responded and some didn't. Timothy was one of those who responded. Jesus had his Judas who turned away from him. At the end of his three years of ministry, Jesus, all of his disciples, save the apostle John, fled. You see, there aren't any guarantees. Ours is simply to seek out those who will respond and give the gospel to them so that they will pass it on. And God will oversee the fruit. God will oversee the work. God will oversee the the planting and the watering and the harvesting of the seed. As followers of Christ, we've been given the stewardship of grace. We are called to invest the gospel into the lives of others. So how do we do that? First and foremost, I think we need to have eyes to see those around us for the calling of the gospel. We need to have eyes to see the opportunities around us to disciple, to mentor, to shepherd. We don't have to look far. We have our kids and our grandkids right in our sphere of influence. We have our life groups right here. And I know there's, there's some of our life groups where, where people are coming outside the life group and meeting during the week outside of life group meetings for the sake of discipling one another. We can teach and we can mentor in the context of Sunday school and our our Sunday school teachers are, are passionately giving away their faith, their, their, the scripture to our kids. We can participate in our crux ministry and, and mentor students. We're talking about intentional relationships. And I'm not, and I, I think we need to extend it into the workplace as well. I remember walking up to a guy at Northwest Airlines and um, he was kind of a big, brash guy, and, and out of 2,000 guys, he was one of the handful of guys that just drew attention to themselves wherever they went. And I remember the Lord telling me, you need to go ask him if he wants to study with you. So I did. I got up, got up the courage one day. Grace is strength, right? I went up to him and I said, you know, what do you say you and I get together after our shift? And we just go sit in a gate area at the, at the airport, a gate area that's empty, and you and I will study the Bible together. What do you say? He was floored. And we spent the next number of years studying the Scripture together. You see, it's, it's not just our kids and our grandkids. It's those we work with. It's students. It's those you go to school with. And you're not too young to start giving away what God has given to you. But I, I want to encourage us it's easy for us to, to have fellowship and enjoy our time together and for the word to just kind of slide off the table. We need to keep the word central in everything that we do. And I'm not saying to study all the time and to be hard at it all the time, but keep it central. Study, meditate, and memorize in the word together. Learn to pray together. Learn to serve together and give opportunity to the one that you're mentoring, that you're investing in. Give them opportunity to minister and to teach as well. Brothers and sisters, I, one, of the, one of the things early on in my faith here at, here at Valley Free Church, I was, I was just in my early 20s, 
And I remember at Easter time, and I knew that God had gotten a hold of my heart when my, my, my passion, my desire was to invite a friend from my former life to come and enjoy church with us. They did, and my heart was full. That story didn't turn out so well. I'm still, after all these years, I'm still looking for opportunities to contact them and share Christ. But our hearts are full when we look at others and we say they need to know Jesus. And I want to invest in their lives. See, God is giving you a grace to partner with him in that ministry. So I encourage you to go. I encourage you to have eyes to see and take that, that step of courage and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, can we come alongside together and walk with Jesus together and give your faith away? Amen? Amen. Um, I want to get this right, so I'm going to read Revelation 22 again. Last verse of the scripture to wrap up our time here this morning. We'll start with verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Lord, may we go in the power of your gospel, in the power and the strength of your grace. Not only do we ask you, Lord, to minister to us in the depths of our heart and, 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 and pour out your grace in abundance like you have promised to do for us, but may it spill over into the lives of others. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that our, our heritage here at Valley Free as your people at the corner of 41 and Angler, I pray that our heritage would be that the gospel spilled out and it went to all kinds of places, to schools, to workplaces, to families, and to other cultures. May we be seen investing in the lives of others by your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. On your way rejoicing.